Hey, good morning, everybody. Wonderful weather, huh? Isn't this awesome? Staying light till 10, like all that stuff. That's good. Hey, I want to do two qualifiers from last week. One was we were in the message and talking about uh, possibilities of what we could do if we paid off the building loan. And one of the things I said was um, get the guy some education. And everybody laughed. And I went, and the guy said, dude, you threw us under the bus. <laughs> they have education, all right? What I meant is wouldn't it be great to further their education is a qualifier thing. So that was not the intent of my heart at all. So if I caused angst for you on that, that was not where I was going. And the other one is real similar to it. The other one was I said, hey, if you're a non-believer, uh, we don't want your money. And one guy comes up and says, well, dude, do you not want me to come here anymore? I went, no, 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 that's not what I meant. What I meant was we're not here to get money out of you. You're here to minister to you. If you want to give, that's great. So I didn't word that one right either. So I'm just stepping all over my feet and course correcting all over the place. So we'll go from there. Um, some good news from Nicaragua. Uh, Brooks's dad, Holly, called me and the team has gotten down there and they uh, have arrived and they're doing great. Matter of fact, they should be in church this morning while we're doing it. So uh, that's kind of a cool deal if you think about it. And uh, there is a blog. And I have no idea how to find it, but if you're a person, there's a blog and books has already put pictures up, and so have fun looking for it. I don't know where it is, but check our website or something. I have no idea. That's out of my realm of expertise. All right, here we go. We've been talking about responsibility, and we've been talking about the fact that God calls and then we respond, right? And once we respond, a lot of times God calls us to do something that freaks us out. And the idea there is, well, gee, if I was capable or if I had the ability, then I could do what you've asked me to do. And we've said the point is exactly that. God calls us sometimes to things that we can't do simply so that we understand it's him doing the work and not us. And we get to cooperate with him together on that. And so as we've walked through that, we've been on a series um, with uh, worship. And this morning we're going to take a little shift uh, and, and head towards uh, sharing, but, or I mean towards um, serving. But I, I want to go back to the move on, move the mountain before we before we do. And uh, oops, I went back there. There we go. So we were talking about this last week, and a couple of people said, "Hey, we like the presentation, but they had some questions on it." And <clears throat> so some of the questions were, "How did that all work?" So remember last week we said we owe just under eight hundred fifty thousand dollars. The number last week was eight forty two. Um, 219 and 98 cents last week. So we uh, actually made our monthly payment this week that we make on that. And so now the actual number is 836, 975 and 20 cents. All right. So it's down since we even talked. And so the question that some of the people had um, was, um, you know, if, if we're going to do this, what we said is that this is sacrificial, that this is over and above the regular tithe. And that uh, one of the questions was, um, so how, how does this work? And, and um, what would it actually take to do that? That's what I'm trying to say. I couldn't get the words out. All right. So Rich Garrett, our treasurer, he's sitting over there, my buddy. And he did some factoring on this. And Rich, I hope I got this right. But here's how it works. All right. So if you took our monthly payments, right, like we just paid, and we paid it till 216. So that's two and a half years from now, to December of 216. All right, so two and a half years, if we paid that, the number then would go from 836 to this number right here, 678,176. So in two and a half years, if we just make our payments, this is what we will have left on that loan. All right, so now, between now and January of 
2016 or December of 2016 is uh, 130 weeks, right? So if you take uh, that, if you divide that number by 130 weeks, then you would have $5,217 that would need to come in extra a week. And then if you said, well, how much would that be if we did that per person? Then you would have two or two hundred and sixty point eight. Someone's a couple fries short of a happy meal there, but uh, no, you didn't get that. A point eight. There's a point eight. Per, no, okay. We're not awake this morning. Here we go. It's two sixty one. All right. And two sixty one. If we had two hundred sixty one people that said we would do that, then uh, we would be able to pay that off in two and two and a half years. Now, you might say, well, gosh, Pastor Steve, I can't give every, anything right now. And that may be very true, but one of the things we're talking about is not our ability. We're talking about, is there a sense among us that this is something we should do as a group of people and as a body? And one of the things we're encouraging you to do is take this envelope, it's called Move the Mountain, and put it at, like in your Bible as a bookmark or put it in your car or put it in your mirror or on your refrigerator or somewhere where you go by and it's a reminder to you to pray about that and ask the Lord, what could we do in the next two and a half years? Would it be possible for you to work through us as a body to pay that off? And so um, that's, that's, I wanted to just give you that this morning. And so the idea is if it's on our hearts, if the timing's right, if it's from Jesus, and we agree that it's from him, then we'll seek him for how he wants to accomplish that goal with and through us. So uh, commit that to prayer and, and we'll go from there. So this morning now, we're going to move on to call to serve. I want to take you to this. This is um, our mission statement. And you can see there's three components to it. Celebrate God, serve one another, and share Jesus. And the statement is, Northview Community Church is committed to encouraging people to become more like Jesus by celebrating God, serving one another, and sharing God's love with the world. That's our mission statement. That was and is the original mission statement of the church when it was planted back in 1999. And the, the board felt it was important to go back to that and uh, to highlight it more, that it should be highlighted more and highlighted consistently. So our goal is to have it posted in a number of locations in the church and that it be shown the same way no matter where we post it. So whether it's in the bulletin or on a web page or in our signage or even in a message like this morning, it's uniform and consistent. And it becomes something that we're really uh, familiar with. As you can see on there, there's three components to it. Right? Celebrate God, serve one another, share Jesus. <clears throat> and what I want to point out is these should not be uh, perceived as priorities one, two, and three. Right? That uh, sharing Jesus is the least important because it's mentioned third. No, it's more like the Godhead. When you think of the Godhead, you think of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not less God because he's mentioned third. We're talking about equal value but different roles. Likewise, we're talking about equal value here, but uh, different expressions. And so, um, <coughs> excuse me. So we're talking about three equal values of our mission here at Norfolk. And <coughs> what I said is, in the last couple of messages, we've gone through the celebrate part of the worship part, and so now we're going to go to the serve part, and then in a couple of weeks we will go to the share part. So that's where we're heading. So let's pray this morning and then we'll get started. Father, as we uh, start this morning, as we head uh, into this, you are the best servant we know. You do it instinctively. You did it well. 
And we can learn a lot from that. We can gain a lot from that. And it can become a hallmark for, for us if, if we understand it well. So I ask this morning that you would um, be the catalyst for us in this idea and that you would be uh, the energy behind the idea to be servants who are available to you for what you want to accomplish. And we give that to you a great hope in your name. Amen. All right. This uh, part where we're talking about celebrate God, we've often used the verses, um, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. comes out of Mark. And we've also been talking about, therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus worship God with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. That's a passage out of Hebrews 12 that we've worked again. So now if you haven't gotten those, you can download them uh, on the site. And uh, by the way, the website's been redone and there's a bunch of new stuff on it. And so if you haven't been for a while, go check it out. Uh, Zach and Margaret and Brooks and those guys and Shannon have put together a bunch of stuff and they've really done a good job. So recheck it out. But so this morning we want to move on to the second expression that you see up there, serving one another. And before we move on to serving one another, I want to talk about the example that Jesus set for us because I think that's, it's, it's such a priority to understand what he did. Uh, one of the things I've learned about God, one of the things I, I absolutely appreciate about him is that, uh, and I've expressed it here many times before, but what I like about God is he never asks us to do something unless he's done it himself first. And uh, if you're a parent, you understand the importance of that, right? But the idea that God did it and led us in it before he asked us to do so, if, if God's asking you to worship, he worship. If Jesus is asking you to pray, he, he prayed. If he's asking you to do something hard, he went through something hard. In other words, he is not just sat aloof and indifferent and said, do these things. He came down and walked through it like us. And the Bible says, was without sin. But he knows what it's like. He knows those hard things, those, those tough things. And, uh, and therefore, he has modeled what it means to be a servant. He is the ultimate example of a servant. Matter of fact, he not only leads uh, an example by that title, but he's taken that title on as, the, as his name. He is known as the servant. And let's take a look at that really quick, just to remind ourselves. If you look in Isaiah 52, there's a description of a person that's going to come. And it reads like this. It says, See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted, just as there were many who were appalled at him. And if you want to do the appalled part, you just read Isaiah 53, and it tells you, how brutally he was beaten and the, and the incredible pressure and price tag that was placed on him to be the servant. His appearance was so disfigured, so disfigured beyond that of any human being and his form marred beyond all human likeness. So, or in other words, because of that, he will sprinkle many nations and kings will shut their mouths because of him. For what they were not told, they will see and what they have not heard, they will understand. When you think about the price that Jesus paid, and again, Isaiah 53, I'd encourage you to read that and go through and look, or one of the gospel accounts, uh, the passion accounts there. <clears throat> when you look at the price he paid to be the servant for us, uh, it's so staggering, it's almost incomprehensible. As a matter of fact, you, your mind just wants to write it off as a story. 
Nobody could have really done that. It's a nice story. It's a Hollywood movie. Nobody actually did that. But someone actually did that. All right? His name was Jesus. He died on the cross for our sins. And he rose again so that we could be in heaven with him. And, and so uh, he became what we call the servants. Now, I've said many times we all like to be called servants till we start getting treated as one. Right? And, and you know what that's like, right? When somebody uh, doesn't talk to you with the respect that you deserve. So parents, if your children don't quite respond right, right? We just smile so warmly, don't we? And uh, at work, if you're a boss and, and your employees don't uh, respond to you well as the boss, or if you're a teacher and your students don't respond well, um, being a servant isn't so much fun half the time is what we instantly know. So why would I want to listen to you, Mitch, about a message on being a servant when I already know it's a miserable mess and I probably don't want to go there anyways? Well, the reason we do is because that's what he's modeled for us. That's what he, he taught for us. And that's why when he takes on this role and title of the servant, it's more than just a good idea. It was actually one of the key ways that he described his purpose. That when, when he came, uh, he said, I came to be a servant. And one of the, it was one of the key things that he set up as a, a word picture for us. So here's what I'm suggesting this morning. If you want to know him, and if you want to know him well, you must understand the importance of this point. You must understand what uh, God's saying in terms of being a servant. Because Jesus said that he came as one who served. If you... Uh, turn in your Bibles to Luke 22. Jesus is telling a story, and the story is specific to an incident that happened. So here's the incident that happens. If you read the first line, uh, Jesus says, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors. Now there's a reason Jesus made that statement is because the disciples were walking with Jesus towards Jerusalem and they thought this is when they were gonna, he was going to do his big Jesus power kingdom movie. He had been talking about the kingdom. They were excited about it. They had bought all in on it. They're walking towards Jerusalem and they're thinking this is when Jesus is going to overthrow the Pharisees. This is when he's going to overthrow the Sadducees. This is when he's going to overthrow Rome. And this is going to set the whole baby up and they're going to be, yeah, and we are going to be the twelve. We are the power brokers with them. And so on the road, on the way to Jerusalem, they're arguing about who's going to be the greatest. It isn't good enough just to be in the 12. You know how this works on a human level? I don't want to just be in the 12. I want to be, who's, who's the top three? And then in that top three, who's the top dog? Right? And so they're arguing about who's the greatest. Jesus knows this. In another passage, he actually asks the question, um, what were you talking about back there on the road? And it says they said nothing. Right? Because caught red-handed. Right? But they were arguing about who was greatest. And Jesus said this, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors. And they're sitting right there by the temple, and they can see Herod's palace, they can see Pilate's place from there. I mean, this is not an abstract uh, illustration at this point. He says, But not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest and the leader as one who serves. For who is greater, the one who reclines at table or the one who serves? It is, not the one who recline, is it not the one who reclines at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. 
Uh, we understand this, right? If you go to a restaurant, the one who sits at the table is greater than the servant, right? The, we have a table waiter. In that culture, you had servants. And the servants came to the table and did your bidding and served the meal the way you wanted it. And they didn't ask questions because they were servants, right? That's what they did. Well, they weren't really asking them whether they liked it or not. He's saying, this is the role. This is how it works. And so um, why that's important is because we live in such a world of one-upmanship, don't we? I mean, just think through the, the different levels. Who's the boss? King of the hill. Competitiveness. Law of the jungle, right? We even have a TV show, Survivor. And what's Survivor all about? You're loyal on your team until you have to make a move. Then you throw your teammates under the bus so you can be the survivor. Right? And we've got that mentality in our culture, right, Kyle? I mean, that's, it's, that's, you're laughing. That's how it works, right? Okay? Now, here's where this runs with Jesus, just right into the face of that. And it does a 180 on us. And it's really hard to track sometimes because the emphasis on being a servant... Uh, is not optional when it comes to knowing Jesus. If we want to be a follower of Christ, because he was called as he was called, so we are called to follow him. In other words, as he was a servant, now we are his servants. As he was called, so we're called. And what are we called to be? Servants. Okay. And again, that sounds really good till it feels like someone else is getting ahead of me. Uh, isn't that true in marriage? Right? I, I, I'll be your servant as long as it doesn't feel unfair to me. And then I'm not being your servant anymore. Right? We, that line gets crossed all the time with us. It happens with parents and children. It happens at work. It happens in all kinds of places. So the idea of being a servant is, is not always the easiest one to get our heart or our head wrapped around. But make no mistake about it, we're called to serve. Jesus says this in John 12. He's talking about his kingdom. And he says, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. Makes sense. You can't really serve him if you're not following him, right? And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now, here's how we take that as Americans, right? There's a game. It's a board game. It's called the game of life. Right? Not the one you played on, but the game called the game of life. And in that game of life, there's certain routes you can take. And everybody else has taken the uh, competitive, carnal, serve yourself route. And I think that's not the fastest route there. So I'm going to go over here and do the servant surrender to Jesus route. But I'm smarter than they are. And when it gets there, I'm going to get there first. And then I win and I get all the stuff. So I still win. So a lot of us are still in the Christian life with the idea that we don't mind the sacrifice because I'm still going to win, right? And if I get to win, this is awesome. I really don't have to be a servant or lose anything if I do it Jesus' way because I'll get it all back in the end plus some. And I'm going to look way smarter than the other people. And we're going to talk about that a little bit at the end of the message. So just hold that thought for a second, okay? If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. So... First, we're called to be saved. And once we're saved, we're called to worship. We've gone through that the last several weeks. Once we're called to worship, we're called to follow and serve. It's a natural progression. It's a natural extension of what God wants us to do. You're here this morning because you have a desire to follow Him. 
That's the only reason you come to church, right? Is to learn more about them, to get to know them better. Hey, I had never thought of that piece. If I plug that in, uh, there's something I, I had been missing on. Uh, the idea is we come away better equipped to follow him every Sunday that we go to church. Now, as we said in that one verse, and then it's also pointed out in Matthew, to serve we must follow. You know this uh, particular scripture. Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, and he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net in the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. Now we're stop fishing for fish. Come follow me. I'll help you catch men. All right? That, and that's also part of our mission statement. We'll come to that later in the next couple of weeks. But the idea there is Jesus said, come, follow me. That's the great invitation of the universe. Come and follow me. And what does it say Peter and Andrew did? They followed him. They left what they knew and what they were good at, and they went and followed Jesus. Okay? Think about it. There was no job description for being a disciple. Right? You couldn't tack it out and just and write it down that way and, and come away with being a disciple. There wasn't any job description. You followed him, and you learned how to be a disciple from following him. And the other thing we don't think about in this passage very much is just think from the parent side, all right? Think of Peter and Andrew's dad because this was a family fishing business. It says they were in his father's boats. So they're sitting there. They're working for their dad. It's a family business. And parents, your two kids get up and they go follow Jesus. Does that always sit well with you as a parent? No, right? Uh, it's particularly poignant to me as right now uh, our kids are in Nicaragua. One of those kids is my kid, right? And what if God calls her to Uka Karumpa or, you know, wherever? Well, am I okay with that, that she follows Jesus? Well, it's the same question, right? Are we, how are we serving him? And does he have access? But Jesus said, come, follow me. Now, here's where it gets sticky. Because when we start to follow him, we run into this thing called the way of the cross. Okay? None of you have ever run into that, but generations before have said that it happened. All right? No. Are you guys awake this morning? Hello. Okay, here we go. The way of the cross, right? We know, we know without even thinking about it, that there's a price tag to this. If I'm going to serve in humility, if I'm going to be a servant, if I'm going to do what Jesus asked me to do, there's going to be a price tag to it. And, and am I okay with that price tag. Jesus says in Luke 9, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it if for, for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit his very self? The old translation said his soul. Would gain the world and lose his soul. Right? And what Jesus is saying in this is that if you want to come and follow me, there's a way to follow, but following me will lead to a cross and you need to pick up that cross daily. Right? And, and that means there's a price tag, that there's a cost. Uh, and we're going to explore that idea of serving him and, and serving each other a little further in the next, uh, next week. But two questions that I want to bring up uh, that will help us consider where we are in our relationship with the Lord Jesus and answer the question, are we his servants? Right? Not, are you a believer? Are, we, are you his servant? Right? That's a little different question. So, the first one is, to be a servant, you've got to follow him. And the question, very naturally, is, are you following him? 
Jesus tells this parable. He says uh, in um, Matthew chapter 21, what do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and he went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir. But he didn't go. Which of the two did what his father wanted? The first, they answered. And then Jesus tacks this on to this statement you see up on the screen. Jesus said to him, Truly, I tell you, the tax collectors and prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. And what Jesus was saying is, there, there's, an, there's a, a response. A father had two sons, went to one and said, Hey, go work in the vineyard. And the son said, I ain't doing it. You ever said that to God? Nope. Nice ass, nice try. Go get somebody else. You know, so-and-so has dobbled along for a long time and not done anything. Why don't you get them to do some work? Then maybe I'll come and help. You ever done that one to the Lord? Okay. That's not my gifting, Lord. You ever realize the insanity of that? Hey, Jesus, that's not my gifting. Like the king of the universe who gifts us, we're telling him that's not our gifting. It's just, or we say this one, no Lord. Right? Think about, that's like government worker. Right? Sorry if you're a government worker. I'm in trouble again. Here we go. Can't win for losing. Right? But no Lord. You ever thought the insanity of that statement? No, Lord. In other words, what does Lord mean? Lord means he has supreme rights over us and that anything he asks, we should do. That we are not in a debate. We are not in a multiple choice. We are not in, uh, he's not asking my opinion. He's asking me to obey him. So when I say no, Lord, those two things don't go together at all. They don't, it's, a, it's just a weird contrast. How can you tell the Lord of the universe no? The idea should be, yes, Lord, right? That makes total sense. So Jesus is telling this parable, and he's saying to religious people, hey, you've got a problem. You have forgotten you're supposed to be my servants. What's, what's going on here? What, what's going on with the Pharisees and the Sadducees that they had such a hard attitude? They did exactly what we do. And I think you'll recognize this. They flipped the table. And by flipping the table, what they did is the Lord is supposed to be the Lord and they're supposed to be the servants, but they got an elevated uh, mindset of their status that they were the servants. And, and after a while, it flipped around so hard that they were the Lord and Jesus was the servant. In other words, have you ever been at the place where you want God to do what you want him to do? All right, God, I got this list. I'm going to pray about this this week. Want you to know you got till Thursday to answer, and um, appreciate if you get on that right away. I need some things done here. Get to Thursday. I told you that list was immediate. It was important. Why are you lagging on the job? Now we don't say it that blatantly, and we don't right. We we whine much better than that, but we do that list that way. And what's the what's the thrust of that? The thrust of that is Jesus. You're my servant. You better get on the stick and do what you're supposed to do. Because I have really important things to do here. And we get it completely turned around. He's the Lord. We're his servants. 
When was the last time we went to prayer and we said, Hey, Lord, this week is coming up. What is it you want me to do? Are there a couple of things I could cooperate with you on? Is there something I have to lean into that I've forgotten? Or is there something uh, this week that's going to come up that I should be aware of, I should be sensitive to? Could you just let me know what you're doing? And I'll, I'll do my best to respond really quickly. See, they, they got it all flipped around to where they wanted God to do what they wanted. What did they want God to do? Get rid of the Romans. They want to get rid of political oppression. Is, was that necessarily a bad goal? No. But it completely supplanted the idea that they were supposed to be God's servants no matter what the circumstances were. And so they got it um, all twisted up. And here's the point that I want to pull out of that. Sometimes those who seem the most resistant wind up ahead of those who seem to be the most compliant. Listen, Listen to what I'm saying there. Sometimes, when it comes to the kingdom of God, those who seem the most resistant Wind up ahead of those who seem the most compliant. The first son said, I will not. Probably stamped his foot. Emphasize the point. But then later it says what? Ah, he, he regretted it. You ever regret the way you talked to God and, and recognize you were throwing a hissy fit? And, oh, Lord, I was all wrong. And, and, and you don't even go to him. You just go do what he asked you to do. That was this first son. Second son said, oh, I'll go, I'll go. I'm a bright shining star, brownie points. Awesome, I'll go. And then never went. Never did what they were asked to do. And what Jesus is looking at is something I think that's important to us because notice at the end of the day, when Jesus is talking about this kind of stuff, it's the inner bent of the heart and one's will that Jesus is looking at. Right? It's not the outside picture or conformity he's looking at. He's looking at the inside bent of our heart and our will in what direction it's leaning. And sometimes those who look like they're resisting actually are buckling inside and becoming very surrendered to what God's asking them. And others look very compliant, but they're actually hardening up. And that's why in a church, uh, a lot of times new believers are just nuts, right? Crazy fun, crazy out of control. All they know is Jesus, and they're just like on fire like crazy. And what we do, those of us who know them for 30 years say, okay, settle down, son, you know. And we just kill their fire. Why? Because we don't like their fire. They make us mad because they remind us of what we used to be like. And, and we're like, oh, where did they get off? Well, what are new believers doing? Do they know much when they first come to know Jesus? No. They know one or two things, Right? They know Jesus died and he rose again and they're saved. Okay, boom. It's about that simple. Right? Oh, there's a Bible? Oh, we're supposed to read it? Oh, okay. Right? They have that kind of new uh, bubbling faith inside of them. And it's really contagious. And it's wonderful. And they, but what are they doing? They're actually doing the one or two things they know. When we get older in the Lord, we know hundreds of things we're supposed to do. And usually we slide into end up doing none of them. Right? We've talked about things like uh, being in the Word. We've talked about things like praying, like husbands and wives praying together. We've talked about those kind of things that we just know we're supposed to do and we, we can't get there. Right? And so what happens is an old believer, we can be going, yes, I will, yes, I will, yes, I will, but we never go. And so the point that's important this morning is, am I following today? What are the one or two things Jesus has asked you to do? 
What are the one or two things you know in your world you're supposed to get on top of that you're supposed to do? I have them. I'm assuming you have them. And I'm assuming I don't even have to ask you what they are. They'll come to you, right? Those need to be not just, yes, Lord, I will. Those will be, I will go and do the work, right? Am I following? And then the second question uh, this morning is, what's our motive for following him? Uh, Jesus was telling this story. I, I couldn't get it all on the screen. So let me read the first part to you and then you can see the second part on the screen. He says, suppose one of you has a servant plowing or looking after sheep. Will he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now and sit down and eat? Won't he rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready, wait on me while I eat and drink. And after that, you may eat and drink. In other words, the idea here is a master and a servant. When the master, the end of the day is done, the servant's done what he's supposed to do and worked hard, the servant still comes in and feeds his master the meal. The master doesn't say, oh, you've had a hard day. Why don't you sit down? Let me, let me feed you. That's, isn't that how it works? The servant feeds the master, not the other way around. And so then Jesus says this, will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? In other words, was this a great big thing and the servant went way out of his way to not only work hard in the field, but then actually serve his master a meal to boot. Wow! What a demanding master. That's incredible. Are you kidding me? Not a lot of thankfulness in that. Man, I don't want to be this guy's servant. What's he saying there? No. He says, look, so you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, you should say what? We're unworthy servants. We've only done our duty. Now, here's where, remember before I talked about we're all competitors and we have this clever way and some of us shoot out this way and we'll do it Jesus' way because we think we get at the end and we still win. And part of that is still built around a competitiveness that we want to win. Now, I don't think all competitiveness is wrong. I don't think all motivation is wrong. I don't think, I'm not saying any of that. But what I'm saying is sometimes we get in the Christian life because we don't think this world will give us what we want. So I'll go to the kingdom to get me what I want. Right? And the kingdom will give me what I want. And I can get then the boats and the promotions and the, and the house on the lake. And I can do all that stuff. And, and therefore, neener, 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 I got ahead of you. And then we get really disappointed sometimes when that stuff doesn't show up. Like, hey, where's my boat? Right? And then you realize, oh, I can tie their boat, tie their boat, tie their boat. Oh, I'll choose the boat. Because I really don't think Jesus is going to come through for me. And we get caught in these catch-22 quagmires. And what Jesus is really after is, what's my motive? Am I serving him because he's worthy? Period. If I never got anything, if I never got a prayer answered, if I never got to where I want to go, would I still serve him? There's a song uh, sung by Cutlass that my kids love and used to play it all the time on our trips to Wisconsin. But the song is, If I lost it all, would my hand stay lifted? Okay? And the idea there is, what, why am I into this? Am I into serving him just because he's worthy? Or am I into this to serve him because I can get something out of it and I can get something out of him? What's my motive? In other words, why do I do what I do? And I want to suggest to you that that heart behind that is really important to Jesus. And that's what he constantly measured people. Not that they came to him, but what was the question? Why are you coming to me? 
What's what's your motive? What are what's your ask? What are you after? And so as we think about uh, when we come next week to serving one another, that's really important in terms of plugging that piece in to the issue of am I Jesus' servant? Because doing a lot of this stuff here only makes sense if you're his servant. It doesn't make sense if you're talking about your free time. It doesn't make sense if you're talking about your options. It doesn't make sense if you're talking about you want to get ahead. You don't get ahead changing diapers. You don't get ahead teaching kindergarten. You don't get ahead, right? I mean, but sometimes why we fall apart serving one another is because our motives are getting checked for why we're doing what we're doing. Because we want to get something instead of I serve him just because he's worthy. Is he your Lord? Are you following him? And what's your motive? We'll come back to that next week. Let's pray. Father, as we walk through this together, um, again, you're the ultimate example and you had the ultimate right heart. You said, I have come to show the world that I will do exactly as my Father has asked. And in that, you uh, left an example the world still hasn't gotten over. But Lord, that that example uh, has really taken a beating, especially in our country in the last 30, 50 years. And it's become an all-out shark frenzy in terms of biting and devouring one another and uh, just going after stuff. And and Lord... um, we wish that weren't part of the church, but it is. And we, we stand before you really humbled by that. And we ask you for this church, Lord, what would it mean to serve you just because you are worthy? We seek you for that. May you perk that in our thoughts. And uh, may we have a good time wrestling with that this week. And we ask this in your name. Amen.